I just want you to think, uh, dads, and, and obviously on a day like today, I'm, I'm talking about biological dads, I'm talking about spiritual dads, I'm talking about stepdads, I'm talking about those that have, have raised, encouraged, set direction, you know, and that are doing that in your life and that you're a part of that in someone else's life. But I want you to think about the first time that you held your child. Your child and you realize that it hits you the responsibility that God had put in your arms. And, 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 and maybe for some of you, I don't know how to raise a child. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. I need you. And what are you calling me to do? How do I raise this child in a way that honors you? And I love the point that was made in the video, and I was thinking about. Um, this is my better mic, isn't it? I just picked up on that. All right. And you think about, um, ooh, this was going to be a mobile sermon, so I'm just going to chain myself here right now. Man, but you th- think about David, and you think about the war that this guy's life was, and how from a child he wrestled a giant. From a child, man, he knew what it was to run away from King Saul. He knew what it was to feign like he was a madman at the gates of Gath. He knew what it was to face glory, and he knew what it was to face defeat. More than anything, he knew what it was to face his own sin and to be crippled by it. He had mighty men, men of valor. This guy lived a life that was powerful. And now all of a sudden introduce his child. And you think about how he's going to raise, and I'm going to just talk about Solomon because it's going to be important to the message today, and how he probably held this child. And I'm thinking about Solomon that was sitting by his dad's side, and I wish, man, I wish I could be there to see what this would have looked like. Man, dad, tell me, tell me about Goliath again, man. Bedtime stories with David would have been sick. Tell me about Goliath again, man. Tell me about your mighty man. Who was Benaiah? Tell me about how he chased the lion into the snowy pit. Who was that dude that, that, that fought the Philistines off until his hand froze to his sword? Tell me about that, man. Tell me the stories, Dad. How did you meet Mom? We'll talk about that later, son. Tell me about how, you know, and he would get, he would hear these stories, you know, and you think about how David would raise his boy, Solomon. He was given the name, catch this, Jedediah, which means the Lord's beloved. It's important because the king, this book, Song of Solomon, guess who the main character of the book is? The Lord's beloved, Jedediah, Solomon. He raises this boy. And this is the theme of David's Psalms. I'm going to step on, on uh, Dane and, and uh, Brad's class a little bit. One of the themes of David's Psalms is the path. And throughout the book of Psalms, that's a theme, but particularly in David's Psalms, you're going to find this theme of a path. And I'm just going to read a few of those. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners. You've made known to me the path of life. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles don't turn. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. I run in the path of your commands, for you've set my heart free. This goes over and over through the Psalms. The path. 
the path that I'm on. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. And before I get into the book of Proverbs, I'm going to talk about Solomon a little bit. I want to talk about sin and righteousness that way. Because sometimes I think that we think of sin as something that we have. And I'm going to stand before the bench someday and I'm going to be held guilty or innocent. And it's something that I have. And that's true. And that's largely a theme maybe in Romans. Uh, but, But righteousness is also seen that way. But mostly... In, in the book of Psalms and throughout the Bible, righteousness and sin are not simply things that we have. They're paths that we are on. They're journeys that we are on. Sin is not simply something that I engage in. This is important now. Sin is something that leads me somewhere. Righteousness is not simply something that I engage in. It's something that leads me somewhere. If you have a sin in your life and you're struggling with it, you're saying, God's grace, and man, I praise God for God's grace. But you need to understand, sin does lead somewhere. It is a path. It does take you somewhere. And 1 John deals with sin and righteousness in this light a little bit more. But sin is something that is a serious threat to my life because it affects tomorrow. And God's grace forgives my sin, but the consequences of my sin can lead me down a path that tomorrow is going to be much more difficult, that is going to be much darker. And that is what David, raising this boy, wants him to know. Son, I want you to know about my life. I want you to read my Psalms. I want you to feel my heart. But I'm going to tell you how I met your mom. And I don't want you to make the mistakes I made. Son, I'm going to tell you about my path. And I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Not so you can share the same cool stories. I'm telling you, son, my life got wrecked because of sin. And and I don't want you to make these mistakes. That's why I'm trying to train you in the way you should go. And then in Proverbs, Solomon picks this up. And it's crazy how this becomes the theme of the book of Proverbs. Don't set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Solomon just quoted Psalm 1. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter to the full light of day. The path of the upright's a highway. The path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. Listen, my son, and be wise and keep your heart on the right path. You know this one, train a child in the way he should go. In the end, he won't depart from it. Um, I'm going to use Colton for an example real quick. I warned him I was going to do this. So Colton, you have to come up here real quick. I have to train you. Um, So I want to talk about what it is because I love David's comments this morning. When he talked about being on the golf course and talking about a son that does things a certain way. So you can sit with me real quick. I'm your dad. You're my son. I'm going to adopt you today. This is us in church together, you know. And... um, if there's things I want Colton to do, I'm going to talk loud because this mic's not good. Um, if there's things I want Colton to do, I could say, Colton, get better, shape up, watch, listen to Jeff, man, he's telling you something. I know he's boring, but he's got something to say, man. Listen to the boy. And I could tell him, I could train him, I could command him. But the thing is, training is not yelling. Training is not slapping somebody on the head. It's an illustration. It's poor and 
It's not, it's not simply slapping somebody on the back of the head. It's not yelling at them. That's not training. I don't know how many times when I was a youth minister, parents would come to me and say, I don't know what to do. My kids are bored. They're not paying attention. They don't sing. They're not worshiping. And I said, that's because when they look over at you, you're staring back at them with a mm, on your face. What if they looked at you and saw you so lost in worship? So lost in worship that they, that's training. I want to show you, son. I'm going to sit with you. I want you to know how important my God is to me. And if you're not praying, man, you're going to see me pray. But I'm going to do this with you. And I love David's comments this morning. This is worship to my God is how I train this young man and the direction that he's going to go. This is my worship. And I cannot force you. I can't force you to walk this path. I can't. So it doesn't matter how much you raise your voice. It doesn't matter how much you hit him on the back of the head. It doesn't matter. One thing I could be guilty of doing is losing my own walk with God because I'm so focused on his. So what I got to be doing is saying, I'm going to train you, but I want you to know this is life and I'm going to do it together with you. And now you're going to see me cry. And here's another one. You can sit back down there. I just had to hit you on the back of the head for illustration. Um, I, I want you to see me fail. And I, I really mean this. I think it's important that our kids see us fail. Because how are they going to know what it looks like to fall on grace? How are they going to know what it looks like to say, you know what? I'm, I mess up. I'm weak. I don't, I'm not Superman, son. But God's grace is, is my net, it's my refuge, it's everything in my life. And I love it when I see a parent expose themselves completely to their kids and say, I want you to know it's by God's grace that I am what I am. Because you're going to have a hard road in front of you. And Solomon picked up on this. And Solomon, when he writes the book of Proverbs, and I'm using a lot of verses this morning, so be patient with me. He also addresses his son throughout the book of Proverbs. I don't know, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 times. He says, my son, my son, my son. Now I know Solomon had three, 700 wives, 300 concubines. But we're only told that he has one son in scripture. I'm sure that's probably not exactly accurate. But Rehoboam is who we know is his son. Rehoboam is going to be the next ruler of Israel. And I don't know that if Proverbs is intending to address Rehoboam, I promise I'll stay put from this point. It's not what I, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to change. There we go. All right. Thanks. I'm going to read to you just a few of these verses. Oh, I like this one. Um, I'm going to read to you just a few of these verses out of Proverbs. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners entice you, don't go with them. My son, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Look for it as for silver. Search for it as a hidden treasure. I just want you to picture talking to your son this way or your dad talking to you this way. My son... Don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. My son, preserve sound judgment, discernment. Don't let them out of your sight. 
My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Above all else, guard your heart. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Man, he knew about his dad. He knew about his own his own problems. He knew about his dad's problems. Now he's giving it to grandson. Now we're giving it to, this is the next generation. My son, I want you to hold on. He goes on and he says, my son, keep my words within you. Store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you'll live. Guard my teachings is the apple of your eye. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. I like this one. Eat honey, my son, because it's good. <laughs> That's as random in Proverbs. I like it. There's a similar verse in Job where Job's man, his, his flesh has fallen off. His family's dying. Everything's going down. And in the middle of the book of Job, he says, I hate eggs. <laughs> they are nasty. They make me sick. And then he goes on and you're like... Job, what? what? He hated eggs. And all of a sudden here he says, man, honey's good for you. But you know, he's making an analogy. He's really talking about it because he goes on and he says, know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. I want you to hunger for wisdom and recognize it's good like you recognize honey is good. Proverbs 27 says, be wise, my son. Bring joy to my heart. You think about this and how this was everything to him. And this son, Rehoboam, assuming this is who he's addressing, it's a good guess, rejected, it says this in 1 Kings 12.8, he rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him. He rejected the advice of the elders is the first thing we know about him. It says that he and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. It says that he did evil because he had set his heart. He had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Rehoboam's actions. How about this? Rehoboam's name that he was given by his dad. Solomon. David grew Israel into a kingdom. Solomon grew it into something of a quasi-empire. It was something. And he names his son the one who will enlarge the people. This is what I have planned for you. You're going to take this nation and you're going to take it. You're going to make this nation big. You're going to make them united. You're going to make them one. That's what he was named, Rehoboam. But his actions divided the nation of Israel and Judah. He brought the nation into continual warfare. He lost the entire territory of Judah to the king of Egypt, all but Jerusalem. He lost all of the treasures of the temple of the Lord, it says. And he lost all of the treasures of Solomon's house to Egypt. He lost it all. He divided the kingdom. He completely, well, you'd say, man, he's a failure. Except the beauty of the end of his life. Did you know that God only said four words to Rehoboam through a prophet that we know of? Four words God says to a prophet and leaves. You have abandoned me. 
through Shemaiah the prophet. You have abandoned me. And at the end of Rehoboam's life, all that we're told is this. He humbled his heart before the Lord. And he came back. Man, his entire life. And this is what I want you to hear about sin. Because I've got a couple of messages mixed in this. And it's important that you hear this. I hate it when I hear people say, I live life with no regrets. That's foolishness. I live life with deep regrets. I don't let them weigh on me like guilt or anything like that. But listen, sin led this man down a path that about ruined his life, destroyed a nation, and wrecked his father's home. He did not stand up before the nation and say, no regrets. He stood up before a nation and said, I'm so sorry, I didn't get the message of my granddad. I didn't get the message of my dad. And I wish I could go back and do this race over. But for right now, I'm going to say this. I will humble my heart back before God. When thinking about training, it says this in in Psalms 127. I love this verse so much. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Um, David's using the illustration of golf this morning. Um, I play a slightly more advanced sport. It's, it's called disc golf. <laughs> but um, some of us that play this sport, man, we get very competitive with each other. And believe it or not, within, in disc golf, much like golf, the weight of this disc means a whole lot. We will comb over these discs. Is it a 164? Is it a 163? This is a big deal to me. How much does it weigh? Um, what brand is this disc? What make is this disc? I know if this disc is what you call overstable or understable. And that means, is it going to go that way or this way, right? I know how to use this disc and what ways I can use this disc. I could destroy Brad with this disc. And... You throw them different ways. Some people use one finger. I like to use two fingers, man. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the clock. No, uh, I, I could come close, I think. But, but when you have a disc, when you have, if you're using archery or whatever, um, you have a my slide for. Um, oh, I need to turn my clicker on. That's my fault. Thank you. Um, it says this: like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Um, our sons born in one's youth. And I love this illustration because it's like this disc. I can do everything I can while it's in my hand. And I know then I could, I could say I'm going to turn it slightly this way because I know it's going to roll that way. And I know exactly how much speed to put on it and how much flick to put on it based on the weight of the disc. And I'm thinking about all this in my mind. Some of you who play golf can identify with You understand what I'm saying. But once you let that disc go, You've put everything you can into it, man. You, you have thought about it. You've, you've worked on it, man. You're training this disc. You're doing But once it's out of your hands, all you can do is watch. Now, you can't tell that by watching golfers and disc golfers because we're all doing this while it's in the air. But all you can do is watch and say, man, I did what I could. I set you on a course. I set you on your course. And now, man, this is between you and God. This is between you and God, what direction you take, because here's what we have to know as parents, as dads. Every single one of us makes our own decision. 
Every single one of us is going to make our own decision. Every single one of my discs makes their own decision. I promise you that's true. I, once it's out of your hand, it's going. It's off. I want to tell you another, another story. This one really got me going this morning. I was so excited thinking about this. Amram. You know who Amram is, right? Well, we don't have a clue who Amram is, do we? I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't have remembered, I don't think. Amram. He's the nameless guy in our Wednesday series. We did a series on, on the uh, uh, hidden heroes of the Bible. I should have used Amram. Amram is Moses' dad. Now, that's something. Now, there's a character in the story that we didn't really know was there, kind of like Joseph in the Jesus story. But I guess he's there, but he's Amram. Amram had a son in Egypt. He handed his son over to be named by somebody else. They didn't even name their own son. I'm giving him over. Well, he's going to die anyway, right? To a kingdom that worships Amun-Ra, Mut, Osiris, and Hathor. The gods of Egypt. I'm going to hand him over. It should have been over. But then God appears to Moses in a bush, and this is what he says. I am the God of your dad. Yeah, that's what it says. I'm the God of your father, and the Hebrew word is singular. Where throughout the Old Testament where it says God of fathers, I know that means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is singular, and it says, I'm the God of your dad. When before you were handed over to me, before you were handed over to, I'm sorry, to, to Egypt and to all the gods of Egypt, I'm the God of your heritage. I'm the God of your dad. And then after the Exodus, when they passed through the Red Sea, this verse is powerful. They passed through the Red Sea. Egypt is buried in the sea. And I'm going to read to you just a line out of Moses' psalm of praise. The Lord is my strength. This is Exodus 15:2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. And again, he uses the singular. I'm going to praise the God that my dad praised. I'm going back to my God. I'm coming back to this says this in Ephesians 6, Children, bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so this message I have this morning, it's simple. To fathers, I'm praying this over the blessing of you as a father. That the first thing I do when I let this disc go out of my hand is I pick a target. I hopefully pick a target. I think, where do I want it to go? In today's culture, man, in today's culture, what it means to be a parent, the number one thing that comes up when kids or parents are, are polled about what is the responsibility of a parent, the number one thing you hear today is this, support me. The number one thing that's mentioned in the Bible is direct me. Support me is today. Direct me is from God's word. I don't want your direction. I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go because all paths are right. 
And your job as a parent is to support me in whatever path I choose. That's parenting today. Or that's the temptation of parenting today. Be a good parent. Support whatever they do. Mm -mm. But in God's word, it's this. Train. Direct. Say that a path is wrong and dangerous and deadly. Not because I'm not because I'm old school, not because I'm lame, not because because I love you. Because I love you, I have to look down the road and say, No, that's gonna wreck you. It's gonna wreck your future, it's gonna wreck your life. I can't in love, in love, I gotta say no. That's what parenting is. It's the ability to stand up and say, This is the path of righteousness. And this is the path of sin. That's why this word hamartia that we use a lot for sin is an archer's term. It comes out of archery. And it literally means, man, to go off course. And so anything that is not on course is sin. And that's the message that we're given through these fathers. So the message I have for fathers, let them see you study. Let them hear you pray. Allow them to see your failings so that they can watch you fall on God's grace. Live your life transparent, transparently. And to children, sin is a path, but so is righteousness. It isn't simply where you are, it's a course that determines tomorrow. It's a course that determines where I'm going to end up. And so uh, I want to I want to just say this to my dads, and it's crazy, amazing for me. Uh, today marks six years for me to the day that I've gotten to be a part of this family at Meadowlark. I have gotten to know dads here, people that have become come to mean the world to me. I get to sit and preach every Sunday to both of my dads, my my own father and my my uh, father-in-law. We're both amazing heroes in my life. Um, I pray that today that you can say, I praise God for my dad. And I know some of you do not have that experience and it hurts you to even hear me say those words. But my, my prayer for you and for every single one of us is to seek fathers in the faith and seek to be fathers in the faith. Seek, man, no matter how old your child is, seek to lift them up before God and you're pulling them back as narrow and say, my God, if my one worship in this life is to show this person who you are, man, God, please let that happen. I want to ask a prayer of blessing um, over our dads. Um, I want to ask a prayer of thanksgiving um, over the families that are here. And I also pray, this is in partially in preparation for next week in 2 Corinthians 7, that you'll hear a message here about righteousness and sin that I think needs to be heard. If you're battling with sin, don't simply accept it in your life. Don't think, well, this is just something that I've got. Everybody has sin. Sin is more deadly than that. It needs to be treated with more severity than that need to understand that sin is a course that can destroy lives and it must be fought. It must be battled. 
And there is a such thing as a course that is righteous. Um, my God, I just want to come before you. And I praise you for being a father to the fatherless. Above all else, just celebrate you today. And God, I just, um, I ask that you would give us um, a clear understanding when there's so many voices in this world that misdirect. I pray, God, that we know what it is to hear the voice of wisdom. I pray, Father, for the men that are in this room, the fathers that are in this room. I I lift them up and I pray for courage. I pray for boldness to lead, even if it's in a way that is not popular, and that they'll lead even in a way that can sometimes feel like it's damaging. And and, and I just pray, God, that above all else, that, that our kids would see love in us. Uh, that we would hug our children more than we spank them, that we would pour love into them so that they would know that our direction is out of uh, nothing uh, but genuine interest in, in their future. I pray your blessing over the children that are not here this morning, over those that are in here hurting over ones that they've loved, maybe arrows they've let go of, And I just pray, Father, that you would intervene in their lives in the beautiful way that you intervened in Rehoboam's life to bring him back to his knees. Um, My God, I praise you for the message this morning. My heart needed it, and I love you for it. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and worship our God together.